0: Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host, David Scales. And of course, the show is Surf Splendor. We are thrilled to have you back listening. Uh, Today we're doing an episode of Surf News with Scott Bass for May 2nd, 2016. One thing that I forgot to mention in the show is that the Oi Rio Pro, the WSL event, is coming up next week. So if you play in our Fantasy Surfer Poll uh, or I'm sorry, just our fantasy surfer game. Um, make sure that you get your team set. We play on fantasy The WSL world surf league.com has their own version of it. And I, I personally play there, but our clubhouse regard, you know, uh, for surf splendor for the listeners is set up on fantasy That's actually run by surfer magazine. And what you do is you can set a team there, it's totally free, and then just go into um, their clubhouse section, search Surf Splendor, and just click join. You can join our club, I think there's about 360 or 70 players in it right now. And then additionally, we have a wager going every um, event that you can play or not, it's not mandatory to play, obviously, but if you want to engage in that, you're welcome to, um... All that is required is a $10 wager per event, per division. So if you want to do $10 for the men, great. If you want to do 10 for the women, great. If you want to do both, great. Or you could just do one or the other. And we accept that payment on PayPal. You can um, log in and then click send money, click send money to friends or family and then send the ten dollars to hello at surfsplenderpodcast.com and make sure in the notes to include your fantasy handle, the name that you use on Fantasy Surfer. Um, that way I can correctly attribute your payment to you. And then at the end, a winner takes all. So it's only, um, there's only one big winner for every event for the men and the women, and that's the way it goes. All right. All of those instructions, if you didn't get them, are on surfsplendorpodcast.com, as as well as every past episode of this show. There's also a comment section on each individual show page, so you can engage in this conversation that Scott and I are having. We encourage you to do that. And then all of the videos, photos, links to articles, all that stuff. Um, In this case, Dane Reynolds' compensation uh, with Quicksilver, we've got a... A link to that, which BeachGrit uncovered and posted. Rory Parker out over at Beach Grit. So all that stuff you can find on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then we have an archive of all the past music um, played on Surf Splendor as well. So all of that's on. Without further ado, I will toss it to Scott Bass to introduce the show. And then I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, guy, yeah, guy, ha, <laughs> yeah, ha, yeah, guy, David Scale, Scott Bass here with you, the listener, yes, on Downline Surf Talk podcast this Monday, May 2nd, 2016, David,
0: man, I cannot believe it's already May, I looked at my phone and I saw May on it, I was like, what the heck, sneaks up on you, were you a fan of Prince? You know, I'm a fan, or I'm very intrigued as him, by him as a human being. I, I never listened to Prince music. I just was fascinated by the fact that this five-foot-two effeminate dude humped his way through <laughs> all the ladies in Hollywood while all the other dudes thought that he was gay and he was slaying more chicks than anybody. Like, that's that's, that's
1: why you admire him. <laughs> not
0: even admire, just, like, fascinated by, you know? And so, obviously, I think aside from all the um, showmanship – he was a phenomenal guitarist is what I understood about him uh, prior to his death. I was well aware of that. So, you know, just a fascinating figure.
1: So Prince passed away, obviously, since the last time we did a show a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And um, I guess real quick, asking you right now on the spot, you have to choose one, Michael Jackson or Prince.
0: Jackson, by far. I was raised on Jackson, dude. I had the one glove, I had a jacket practice the moonwalk shut up well, I, are you dude. pulling my chain no i'm not actually you not, had a, a michael
1: jackson glove and yeah. the chain and you did the whole deal
0: chain no but jacket yeah. oh
1: a jacket yeah, okay. yeah, yeah yeah i don't know what what is a, <laughs> what is a accoutrements where i'm not quite um, sure but yeah no i was super into it as a kid
0: but that was you know that was thriller michael jackson that was bad that's when those albums
1: first came out i was born in 81 so um well i too like you i'm not a big i've never been a, a prince person I, i've never listened to his music never uh purchased his music never sort of i don't know i guess bought into the whole prince thing i'm, I'm not sure why apparently he's some phenom musical phenom and i'm sure he is i'm certainly not one to, to be in a position to judge his his mu- you know his musical acumen or whatever but i've just was never drawn to it yeah
0: you know what's funny? I clicked around the internet a lot when he died and was watching videos and interviews and things like that. One of the things that I found interesting was Kevin Smith um, was doing a talk at a college, and he he was explaining this story of him meeting Prince. He wanted to use one of Prince's songs in one of his films, so he reached out, and they got back, and that whole interaction was funny enough. But he ends up out at Prince's compound to film a documentary, yeah, basically. Yeah. And that... I'll post a link to this because I'm not going to tell all of the story. But the part that I found interesting was that in the end, he found out that Prince has produced numerous albums, filmed, shot, edited, mastered, numerous music videos, like fully produced Hollywood quality music videos that have never seen the light of day and will never see the light of day. Prince just stockpiled finished product that I don't know if he didn't feel like it was good enough quality to go to. Public, or maybe he did and he just didn't think the public would get it or I don't know what but he has tons of finished albums that'll never be released yeah. That's, unless somebody takes over the estate you know and then well
1: somebody's definitely running the estate so
0: well like Bowie when he died he died with a I think three or four unfinished – or three or four finished albums that are slated to release oh, cool. in future years. Oh, that's interesting. But that was part of his plan was I want these to go on without me. Oh, that's Prince's cool. stuff was just like, no, no, no. He wasn't planning on dying. He's just like, I'm going to stockpile this stuff. Right. I just I – need, I need to create. Right. Which I think is really interesting. Like yeah. he just was a prolific creator of art. Yeah. Not not for the sake of getting eyeballs and I mean, ears he, on it. He just, he just needed, for the sake needed, of creating.
1: Yeah, that's how he sort of – You know, dealt with himself was through creation of producing producing that stuff. Yeah, and well, there's some bunch of as you said. You know, you scoured the internet. I look. There's some super good stuff on the internet about Prince, and the the best one I think is Did you see the Charlie Murphy piece on Dave Chappelle?
0: Yeah, I saw it when it originally aired on the Chappelle Show back in the day.
1: Well, if if you the listener hasn't seen it, you got to just Google Charlie Murphy talks about the time he played basketball against Prince. (laughs) And the, <laughs> and the revolution. It is so funny. Dave Chappelle and Charlie Murphy, those little Charlie Murphy moments that yeah. Murphy, they're the best ever. Eddie
0: but. Murphy's brother. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the funniest thing to me about that is. They go back, get back from the
1: club. Well, wait, set it up. So let's okay. her a little. So Charlie Murphy and Eddie Murphy at a nightclub. Prince rolls up. They're like, oh, Prince is here. Prince like strolls up to Eddie Murphy and goes, I like your comedy. You know, he's like straight face, just deadpans. He doesn't show any emotion. Eddie Murphy's like, oh, okay, wow. Let's go to my place and, and listen, listen to, to Prince music. music. Yeah, listen to Prince music. So they go back to Prince's house. They're Paisley pr- Park, I think is what it's called. Apparently... Eddie and Charlie and his crew, and they're just, like, having fun partying L.A. types. And Prince is like, I'm bored. Let's play hoops. <laughs> and, then, well, and Charlie Murphy just starts busting up laughing, like, dude, I'm going to slaughter you on the basketball court.
0: Yeah. And here's – the because Prince is literally five too. But here's the funny part about that to me was, like, Prince's entourage – Give Charlie Murphy and his crew shorts and and sneakers and that sort of thing, and they go out and they wait on the court for Prince. They're warming up. Warming up. Prince and the Revolution walk out wearing exactly what they wore to the club. So Prince has his pirate outfit on with yeah. like the frilly. Yeah, he thing looks
1: like wearing the, uh, high heels. He looks like Will Ferrell in that skate, sk- ice skating movie, Blades of Glory. Totally, or, he's got the full ice skating or outfit. Or Johnny
0: Depp in Pirates, you know, right. like almost and and high heels,
1: frills, high heels, yeah. on a basketball court, and yeah. he ends up schooling, schooling Eddie Murphy and Charlie plan. Murphy and the yeah. whole crew,
0: and which was true. Like Prince was a very good basketball. He played in high player, school, apparently. apparently. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then um, well, the other story that I heard this morning on Howard Stern was apparently he's a great ping pong player too. So he calls up Jimmy Fallon's guy and goes, tell Jimmy to meet me at midnight. Susan Sarandon has some high end ping pong thing in Manhattan. Meet me at Susan Sarandon's ping pong club at midnight. And Jimmy Fallon's like, what? Okay, I guess so. So... He rolls up at midnight and the place is closed, but there's one table and it's got like a skirt, a bunting around it, you know, like a frilly skirt, like a la Prince, probably purple. And Prince is there and he's in his full garb. He's in the ice skating outfit, you know, the Zorro thing going right, frills, high heels, and he ends up schooling Jimmy Fallon in ping pong. Apparently, he's a great ping pong player as well. But what he does on the last shot, the the final shot to score to, to win the game. He hits one of these shots and the ball, the ping pong ball just sort of skirts over the very edge of the table, just nicks it and goes flying out of bounds, right? So Jimmy Fallon goes scurrying off to grab the ball. When he he comes up, Prince is just gone. (laughs) Prince just (laughs) Just disappears. disappears. (laughs) Just smokes him and disappears. I didn't say it worked. That is amazing. (laughs) Well,
0: my favorite thing about the Charlie Murphy one on the Chappelle show was it turns out to be a true story one of the things I clicked on was Prince being interviewed by a radio DJ and the radio DJ is like, Hey man, do you ever see that Chappelle show skit? And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I thought it was funny. And the DJ goes, well, is it true? How much of that is true? And Prince is like, well, it's all true. Like that happened. And he's yeah. like, did you make them pancakes afterwards? Cause that was, yeah, that of, was the part. That yeah. was the punchline of the right. skit was pancakes. Like, after he schooled us in basketball, he took us inside and made us pancakes. well, <laughs> The DJ asks him that and Prince is like, yeah. He's like, I didn't make them personally, but like we made like my staff made pancakes and we ate pancakes together. So it's brilliant. That's That's true, you know? Because the 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 Chappelle show thing seems like there was some liberties taken probably with the story and and
1: embellishments, but Prince verified it as fact. Well, part of the beauty of the Chappelle thing, and it's called Charlie Murphy's Real Hollywood Stories, and he does a bunch of these, right? And the thing is, is that Charlie Murphy comes off so sincere. You don't get the sense that he's lying. Like he's he's Eddie or Dave Chappelle basically goes, Charlie, you've got such great stories. We have to film these. And he goes, Mm -hmm. okay. And they literally just film him shooting, telling these stories. Right. Mm -hmm. And he comes off very sincere. It doesn't seem like he's lying. He's like, this is what happened, man. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And Charlie Murphy's a great storyteller. Have you seen the one with Rick James? Yep. That's maybe the best one ever. Yeah. I'm Rick Games, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so good. Anyway, enough about Prince. This is a surf talk show, right? I will say real yes. quickly. No, please. Uh, I moved. I've been. I've gone back since
0: Prince died. It made me think about David Bowie dying, and yeah. so I went back and started listening to that Black Star album that he released a week yeah. or two before he died. because yeah, I listened to it when it first came out, and then when he died, I listened to it a bit, but it never really stuck with me. Yeah. I liked it, but it wasn't like didn't it go into my rotation. Is it dark. It's very dark, yeah. But man, I'm not kidding. I've been listening to it the last week or so. I freaking you okay? love it.
1: Dude. Are you depressed right now? Or no, I'm you? in
0: love with it. I'm like inspired. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Like, maybe I should listen. Speaking to me from the grave, honestly. Right. dude. Wow. It's amazing. You know, and that that's and cool. that's what that album was. Like there was a lot of um, force foreshadowing of his death in the album. Like, oh wow the opening track is called black star it's about him being a black star in the universe mm-hmm. looking down and i'm not a celebrity blah 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 and then the final track on the album is lazarus about rising from the dead yeah. ah. so it's a it's a really interesting Sounds like an iron maiden album it's it's really good lazarus yeah. all right so, all right that's enough of music. i'm gonna check that out so dude out what's up in surfing buddy a lot is going on. Um, Waves think, have been fun around here. Yeah, have you, just, have you been getting some in San Diego?
1: Yeah, probably not as good as up here, but there's okay. been plenty of south swell in the water. And, yeah, and windy. It's probably cleaner up here too. We we, get we didn't get a south eddy.
0: We had like a week without much wind, and then this past week there's been a little wind, but it's still been fun—like three to four feet, peaky, super fun everywhere. So yeah, had my fill.
1: Um, first thing on my docket here, Dave is. Dane Reynolds and the legal action that wow. was brought up on Stab Magazine and then on Beach Grit, right? Everywhere, yeah. yeah. And Reuters um, covered it.
0: Yeah. The hard-hitting, the inertia covered it.
1: <laughs> and the even harder-hitting down-the-line surf pod with David and Scott covering it. One week late to the news, as usual? Yeah, but one week early with the great opinions. Oh, okay. Awesome. Did that make sense? I just heard sure. that. Up. So, um, I don't know, maybe can you set it up a little bit um, as far as what it was? I mean, these news... These news outlets basically said, hey, Dane, like a lot of other people, um, filed a a creditor action against Quicksilver. By the way, a lot of people did that. I mean, Um, I could have done that. I lost money with Quicksilver.
0: Well, the story that was reported initially, which to me is the real story. um, me, Me saying the real story is how the media confuses the story. That's the story to me, you know, because it was reported differently everywhere. But ultimately, the first thing that hit was headline, Dane Reynolds sues Quicksilver for $3.4 million or three point six. Right. Was
1: that a Reuters headline or was that no. Beach Grit's headline?
0: Uh, it was... Beach Grit posted that, but I feel like I saw it elsewhere, too. Right. The Inertia, I think, posted that. Maybe it was Stab that. or
1: something. Stab... We don't know. Look at no, this. No, well, yeah. Stab posted
0: the follow-up story a few hours later saying... No, he's not suing Quicksilver. So that became the story is like, is he suing or isn't he? And then they had they had reached stab had reached out to Dane and said, uh, no, this is all confusion. Like my agent Blair texted me and said, hey, man, are you engaged in a lawsuit with Quicksilver? And I was like, no, dude, I don't know who reported that. But that was incorrect.
1: Well, what it is, is it's not a lawsuit. It's a legal claim that all creditors can make against a company that's going into bankruptcy. Right.
0: And. So I've done a lot of freelance work for Quicksilver for a number of years. I haven't for the last couple. But when this when they filed the bankruptcy motion, I got letters in the mail saying, hey, as one of the yeah. suppliers or providers or whatever. Yeah, I get them too. I yeah. got them because I own stock. Yeah. Okay. Every, so everyone gets them. Little, you can thousands file. Thousands of people. Yeah. Do they owe you money? You can file a claim. Right. This is the process for doing it. and truthfully Quicksilver always paid me on time so they don't owe me anything you know and that was a long time ago so I just but I get those documents and I just read them to make sure they don't apply to me and then move on so
1: and that's what this is this was a legal claim right um but I think see I think the bigger story is the one that Rory Parker put out there in in Beach Grit which is and the one that Scott Bannister one of our listeners sent us an email on right Mm -hmm. which is kind of fascinating I thought Mm -hmm. which was the which was the sort of to me, it harkens back to a theme of yours, which is professionalism in surfing, in the surf industry, I should say, right? And so, lack thereof. Lack thereof in this case, right? Because there's this um, Mickey Picone, right? Who's, yeah. a, who's a professional surfer still, probably on some level. He probably surfs in European QS events and tries to qualify or whatever. Yeah. Right?
0: But he's rolled into like a marketing slash team manager role in France for Quick Europe.
1: Right. And, and, and the letter that they posted on Beach Grit is the letter that Mickey Picone sent to Blair Marlin, who's Dane Reynolds and many others. Dane Reynolds is agent.
0: Right. And by the way, Rory Parker, who's been doing this reporting on Beach Grit, is a contributing you know, uh, writer on Beach Grit whose wife happens to be an attorney. Rory lives in Kauai, but because of his wife's. You know, career and profession. He's able to get access to these things a little bit easier. And knows the ins and outs of how to access this stuff, and that's where this is all coming from.
1: So, Mickey Pecan, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name. Correct. Yeah, you are. Um, the correspondence is—it's amusing, really, it, to me. It's amusing, you know, because it—the it, unprofessionalism, right? The lack of negotiating experience that's inherent in the letter. The general lack of tact. Which I find kind of amusing mm-hmm. that in this day and age, um, you know, a marketing guy from a multinational corporation such as Quicksilver, a, a team manager, a guy in a position of of this type of power to be in a negotiating um, scenario with arguably the highest level athlete slash ambassador that that company has, and and then to write this letter negotiating multi million dollar contract, yeah. In such a, in such a, horrid, unprofessional, f- fashion, right? I rot mean, with grammatical error. Rot with grammatical error. Right. Thank yeah. You. So, in this in
0: this email that you're talking about, this communication is Mickey Picone emailing Blair Marlin to renegotiate Dane's contract. That's
1: what you're referring to. It goes like this: Hi Blair, I hope you are well. I tried to move as quick as possible for the benefits of everyone here. I think that's code for the waves are good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to write this email. Then Mickey goes on again, a letter to Blair Marlin, Dane's agent. We put in place that offer for Dane for the next five years. As I already mentioned, we really want to give our best offer straight ahead and not trying to play any games. In the respect of Dane, we put one strong offer and you guys give us an answer. You can shop around and see what you guys will decide. This offer is still strong for the market, and after all those years in the team, I hope he will take the right decision to stay with us. We will let the totally freedom to Dane to be Dane, shoot, surf, all the things he liked to do. We will support any project for the coming five years. We will have the budget on the side for that. I really hope you will take in consideration all the past and looking to end Dane's career with us. We are very loyal to all our ambassador. Today, Tom, Mark, all those legends are still under contract with us. Dane will be the same. He is our ambassador and part of the family. If he thinks that Pierre doesn't like him, he is totally wrong. He is just waiting to build that relationship. We all love Dane. We want Dane to stay and everyone to work with him, so hopefully he will continue goes on and I can read more and we maybe we will but it's interesting that part of it is just it's just I guess what Scott Banister sent was really a pretty good analogy like well, you wouldn't see the guys at Nike the main guys the the guys the lawyers in charge of negotiating a contract with LeBron James sending something like this to the agent of LeBron James this would be something that would be combed through vetted thought through each and every word and how it relates to the negotiation stance that we're going to take and this is just like, oh, my God, the waves are quick. I was supposed to do this last week. The waves are good. I was supposed to do this last week. I better just jam this letter out real quick to Blair before the wind comes up. I mean, that's the way this this email reads to me, that he's just like – his boss went, hey, did you send that thing yet? And he went, oh, yeah, that's right. And he just, like, jammed it out.
0: Yeah, well, to be honest, um, that's speculation that the of waves course. are good. And i the show is. is you, all-
1: you know, yeah, no, but – I mean, if he if he didn't if he spent time on this, that even that speaks. Well, that's my
0: point though. Is that let's be honest, the entire industry kind of runs this way, where maybe the waves aren't good at this moment,
1: but everything's
0: done with this mentality of just like work is a second priority, and unfortunately, I think the industry is slow moving because of it. Like you know. There would never be the advancements in our industry that there is in the tech industry, for example, because this is how things are run. And so we're picking Mickey apart right here. And by the side, yeah, note, I'm not trying to beat note, up on Mickey. Well, side note, French is his first language. English is
1: maybe a that's second no or third excuse, or fourth language. Right? That,
0: well, it isn't. But we need to state that. Yeah,
1: no, you're right. It's this is definitely not his first language. But that's the point, right, is that a letter of negotiation yeah. to an agent should be. Combed through by three or four different people before pushing send. Right. And I'm not, again, I want to make it clear I'm not here to pick on Mickey. What I'm saying is that this is an example of the overarching theme that we touch on, which is totally. I can't believe this still happened. I could, I can see this happening if it was, you know, I don't know lost surfboards or or some small company where they're just kind of like running on fumes you know but this is quicksilver this is a multinational corporation right like it's just it's kind of mind-blowing no it really is but i i in a way you know on one side i begrudge it a little bit on the other side i'm like that's what makes the surf industry semi charming yeah in a weird way you know you and i i mean it would be kind of sad if we if it was just all super corporate and and
0: yeah, it would be, but let's get real. You run a business. I've run businesses. If That's you not how it, if businesses you, are run. If you ran it this way, you'd run it into the ground. And, yeah. oh, guess what happened? Oh, that, <laughs> you know oh my
1: God, I, that sound you <laughs> hear? That's Quicksilver crashing. Yeah,
0: so it's not really a surprise. But um, So what's the story here for you? Um, the story so for Dane, me is,
1: isn't really the Dane thing at all. It's, yeah, to I me, agree. it's the letter. To me, it's the way that Quicksilver – the fact that a Quicksilver um, – Higher up. Somebody in charge of negotiating a multi-million-dollar contract would write an email like this. It just blows me away. And again, it's not on Mickey. It's does, Aren't there anyone that's going, hey, before you send that email, let's look through it so we make sure that we're doing the right thing here. Yeah. You know? But instead, somebody went, Mickey, send him an email. Tell him this is a deal. By the way, the waves are good. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm making up the waves are good. But sure. it, just, it reeks of, like,
0: haste. Well, let me ask you this. Something that I haven't really been able to get to the bottom of is um, – was Dane not paid for?
1: I'm not sure. I think do they owe him the 3.4 million dollars that I don't think so because I think this all happened before they went bankrupt. And now that they're bankrupt, they're like, "Yeah, get in line." And if there's money at the end of okay of the bankruptcy policy, you know, process, we'll give you whatever's you know how how that works. Like claimants line up, and I think it's yeah. based on who's owed the most or sure. who gets in line first. And they start and they look at okay, after after we're in bankruptcy, this is how and we sell off all our assets, this is how much net cash we have, liquid cash. Based on this amount of liquid cash, let's say it's a million dollars, and we owe thirty million to thirty different claimants, well let's try to divvy it up, you're each gonna get a third of sure of the million.
0: So So he's not if you but I, but did they or didn't they pay him? Like was he left without paychecks on certain pay periods, you know, or what? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the, Rory's going to post Part 2 on the Beach Grid. It's already up. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's already up. And on Part
0: 2, it shows um, his compensation, actually. It's a lot. 300000 a month? Yeah. Yeah. It totaled uh, 474700000 over the course of
1: a couple of years. Um but, wow, that's so, mind blowing. That's like well, so set for life type money if you totally, if you use it right. Totally. So what? One thing
0: that I did read um, to answer kind of my own question that I was just asking you was he walked out. Dane walked away from his contract. I think before it was finished and didn't negotiate with quick to buy him out like they were going into bankruptcy he still had time left on his contract and he opted to just walk away from it and so this email exchange is in regard to the termination of his contract so one thing that you could do as the person who has the contract is just say hey you guys are going bankrupt i want out of this you're gonna owe me a million bucks over the course of the next 12 months or whatever how about you just give me five i i'll walk away right now Well, Dane didn't ask for that payout. He just instigated the termination, signed on the dotted line, and walked away. So I'm not sure if this claim that we're discussing is in regard to the amount of money they would have owed him through the end of his contract that he signed away or not. But it seems to me like he got paid appropriately when he was still under contract. Yeah, I I haven't seen anything written about like – Oh yeah, my checks bounced for the last two years or something like
1: that. Yeah. And and I don't know we, we don't know no, really no, what's no, no. happening, but I get the sense based on not knowing Dane Reynolds at all, but just his public persona that he was like, I'm over Quicksilver Blair, just I just want to walk away, I'm making plenty of money, just let's not I don't need the hassle. Yeah. Totally. Um, by the way, I'm going to sign with Vans for even more. I'm, I mean, If he's making $4 million from Quick, how much is he making from Vans? I heard he was making two hundred k
0: a year from Vans. That's so it? N- not nearly as much, but Vans isn't his title sponsor. Right, Vance, that's he's always change. Been, He's
1: change. No, I don't think it will. Oh, yeah? He's always been with Vans. Vans doesn't want Dane to be their main guy?
0: I'm sure they want him to. I don't well, think Dan is he wants with? to. He's Who's with Dane nobody. With? He's developing a clothing company called Destroyer. With, oh, my God. With and Craig Ando, and I think Dylan is the name Dylan Reader or Dylan Ryder, the skateboarder I don't know,
1: so um that sounds like a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just yeah. cash in on a company that's just loaded like v f Corp
0: that's what he's been doing, yeah, you but two hundred
1: grands not I mean, I would sign a deal where it's like, I'll do your shoes, I'm developing clothes myself, so I can't do that, yeah. but here's I want this for shoes, you know get get me a couple million a year for shoes. I'll do whatever you need. And you need to back the fact that I'm doing a clothing line. And, oh, by the way, if we ever, you know. But that's what he tried to do with Quicksilver with Summer Teeth.
0: And it didn't pan out. But he cashed the millions of dollars of checks over that course of time. So he did exactly what you're talking about. And now he's at a point where he's like Kelly, where it's just like, well, I've done that. And now I'm set. And now I want to do this.
1: Maybe if he's got enough. I well, mean, I, I don't know. i am not I'm not way- saying don't do it. I'm just saying. I always look at it like, dude, if you've got an easy check to cash, why not just cash it and do that thing? Why just do that thing? Well, he Why does, just he, do Destroyer?
0: Well, you're sneezing at the 200Ks getting from
1: vans. He's doing what you're saying. He's taking 200k k of I am of sneezing vans. at that. I'm saying you could do 10 times that. You should and be getting he's, 10 million.
0: And he's already done I mean, 2 million. That's what he did for the last four years with Quick. And now he transitioned out of this. He wants to do a passion project but he could live on the 200 So if you're
1: his agent you're saying you're good with the 200 grand. do worry Let's not go to vans for more now that Quick's over. Well, I mean... Why not just be totally vans? Just be all vans and then have this thing developed on the side. When it develops you can just... Well, nip nip the van's deal in the bud. Let's get real. He's not gonna get paid the same amount that he was before
0: because he's not at the height of his powers. So he's gonna take a That's lesser true. he's gonna take a lesser
1: amount. I, I said and what I said lesser amount.
0: I said well, what make it how about a million. But what he's banking on is I'm gonna make
1: ten million on destroyer. He can still do that. There's it's not either or. Yeah. I'm saying go renegotiate with Vans, get a million, create destroyer. Yeah. Because destroyer is going to cost him money, you know. No, well, it will, but
0: it'll bring on investors. I mean, I don't know how much Maybe. he would put in on, on his own, but at any rate, um, it's all interesting. We always love discussing. The I mean, business you got
1: th- two surfers and a skateboarder trying to run a business. <laughs> I don't know. But dude. They're not necessarily running the business. <laughs> they're the, they they are, are the figureheads behind
0: it. Well, not even. They're just the faces in front of it. You know, like those are. Is it their super creative vision? Guys, yeah, they're super influential guys.
1: Is it going to be like crayons on a surfboard? What I'm kind of- afraid that it is. And they're <laughs> and the, oh, the thing that's is, what I'm saying, go get a from bands if you're gonna do crayons on a skateboard uh, you gotta
0: you gotta realize i'm on your side here you i'm are. taking i know you are i i'm explaining to you i'm what on what no one's side by the way i'm taking explaining to you what dane's side is right. but I, i'm a very conservative person anyway so i, I would are. i would go on your side of the i would recommend do you still have the
1: michael jackson glove because it could be worse than money
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, so interestingly, I, I mean, this business discussion is always interesting to us and we discuss it a lot on the show. Um, I think that, Dane might be overplaying his hand in terms of what his influence is, and same with Craig Anderson. I agree. I think they're kind of on the downside of their career. And it's interesting that Mickey wrote that in the email, which was we want to yeah, be will... involved through the end of Dane's career. I know. When I saw the that, end of Dane's career. I know. What? When I saw that,
1: I went, Oh my god, I can't believe he wrote that sentence in this in this negotiation. I know. That is incredible. Yeah. He basically put him in there with Tom Carroll and Mark Richards. He's like Exactly. We'll have Tom, Mark, and Dane.
0: Right. Right. To the
1: end of his career. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, Scott Bannister, one of our listeners wrote, wrote a really good email basically saying, Matt Banting, like Quicksilver, that's who Quicksilver thinks is selling product, Matt Banning. Not in the USA. Right. But is Quicksilver selling any product to any teenager in the USA? I doubt it.
0: Yeah. Not at the moment.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, for me, the story here was also. I'd love to know. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead was just the
0: reporting of it. You know, like, not only was it misreported, which it happens, and I'm sure we've misreported stuff, but... <laughs> That's all we do is misreport. <laughs> you mean the commentary on Beach Grit? No. Well, what I appreciated was Beach Grit misreporting, following up, digging in, and actually doing investigative journalism, right. posting multiple stories, never deleting the first one that was incorrect, just keeping the dialogue going and letting people know with each it's check-in. Yeah. Because... Stab posted one story about it, never again. And all the other outlets as far as I could tell misreported it and then never came back to it. So we that's the model that we've always seen in surfing, which isn't very it's not investigative journalism, and it's not even really journalism. It's just commenting on something, not doing any research. Oftentimes, recycling information. It's what it, we do. <laughs> it kind of is, but ours is entertainment. Ours is spe- I mean, we are here to entertain, to, so, engage, entertain. And arguably, that's what Surfer Mag and Surfing Mag are agree. here to do as well. They're not you want, reporting. They're you not trying go to, to the be Wall journalist. Street Journal.
1: Yeah, if you want that,
0: but. That's also my complaint because we often reference the Andy Irons death and these other stories, or even Quicksilver's bankruptcy. Like, we get the best information about that from Bloomberg or from Reuters. We don't get it from the surf industry. Right. So, that to me is the story here is that people lob one initial grenade out there and just be like, hey, here's this Dane suing Quicksilver, and then walk away and never comment on it again. And ultimately, it fizzles and the internet leaves a few comments in the comment section, and then moves on to the next thing. This is an instant where Beach Grit did that and then picked up all the shrapnel, tried to make sense of it, dug in deeper, figured out a storyline, and worked their way through it. And I was glad to see that.
1: You know, it's funny. The Washington uh, Correspondence Dinner with President Obama was this weekend. And, you know, they often talk at that dinner about how – investigative journalism and journalism is a tenet of a democracy. You know, you have to have people searching for the truth. Right. And in our age now, you know, the last 10 years of the internet blooming, the last 20 years, I guess you could say, um, there's just so much, there's not as much of that because print is more or less died. Mm-hmm. There's still a few outlets that are great. Um, but the internet itself and our generation, millennials, I guess you could say, are just so give me a little bit of information. I'll digest it and then move on. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to investigate. And I wonder what, how that speaks to, um, if that is a tenant of our democracy, what does that say about that tenant of our democracy and our democracy in general? If there's just not a lot of really good investigative journalism. And the people don't seem to mind, they prefer
0: the entertainment. that's the bigger
1: yeah, yeah. that's the bigger part of what I'm trying to say. is like it's like, okay, whatever. Well, uh, spoon feed me your news, and I'm moving on
0: Saturday night, I was hanging out with a friend who just got back from um, the Netherlands, and he was talking about uh, their the, the local people there were asking him all about Donald Trump and like the presidential race and all this stuff, and we were commenting on Europeans have a better gauge on our political. Um, news than we do, and we were, and so somebody's like, "Well, yeah, it's because they're more astute and smarter." And I'm like, "That's not what it is at all. It's just that their media outlets are more newsworthy. <laughs> Our media outlets aren't interested in delivering the news. You know, no, no. that's there's, the only difference. There's an angle, yeah,
1: constant angle. Yeah, they get, but they've all got angles, right? I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, even even something like PBS, which you think would be and is probably as objective as you can get. You know, they're going to have... You know, there's going to be an executive director that wants you to push this story rather than that story and so forth and so
0: on. Well, um, I got some WSL talk if you want. The Rio Pro starts uh, May 10th, which is about a week away from now. And... um, Jeez Louise. I mean, not an exciting event. The waves are always crappy. It's pandemonium. Um, There was uh they're building a footbridge this year did you see this i didn't see it I've, oh, okay the
1: rio things is not on my radar right now
0: well fill me in well you know i mean it's dangerous because it's so zika it's pandem. well not only that dangerous in terms of fans they're rabid fans first of all pan- fans that have more passion than any other stop on tour and the beach you mean they're
1: uncivilized <laughs> Is i'm that, not saying that, that, that i'm just that's saying the term they're passionate. you really want to say yeah. that's so like, the, there's a gray line right there right between passionate and uncivilized it's like it's easy to cross the line
0: it is and there's definitely some uncivilized behavior and last year was the most crowded it had ever been because they have a brazilian world champ now you know two of them actually and uh john john florence is talking about like he couldn't even leave his hotel room there's girls screaming on the street below, you know, and it's just straight pandemonium. So this year, they're building a footbridge from the competitor's area. I don't know the height, but I saw a photo. It looked 10 from feet. From
1: the beach to the competitor's area? No, no, no.
0: Yes, from the competitor's area so to the, water's the water. water's edge. Oh, yes. my God. So they just walk on this catwalk over all of the fans. People throw stuff in. at them? People can throw stuff at them. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a feeling people are going to climb the thing or shake tear it. Tear it down? Tear it down. I mean... That'll be insane. It's going to be insane, but I'm I'm I think it's a great, Now we have a reason to watch. I think it's a great solution that the WSL is implementing. I think it's a simple solution, yeah. but it reminds it's me It's scaffolding. basically.
1: And it could be torn down maybe.
0: Sure. But
1: <laughs> But it, What are but, the odds? Who's going to get like Here's here's what it reminds me of though. Is yeah.
0: just how in Rio especially, I feel like we're always patching potential disasters you know and and like hey the water quality is horrific well what can we do to adjust for that hey um the waves are
1: terrible what can we do and they're they're going to be spraying for mosquitoes (laughs) they've got a footbridge with like mist that's going to come out for the zika thing remember like six months ago
0: there was some big sewage spill and mick fanning and some other competitors said we will not go to that event in six months from now because there's diarrhea in the water, literally, you know, like some floaters. It's crazy. So I feel like Rio. what does it have to offer us at this point? And one, one part of me likes the pandemonium of like fans really getting into it. Like the surfers are the Beatles. Yeah. But I do feel like how many times do you want to just put a patch on this festering, you know, (laughs) wound and try to salvage it? Because it kind of, if you're building that catwalk, that indicates to me that
1: Your things are out of control. Patchwork.
0: Things are not safe for the competitors, and things are out of control.
1: I, it's it's interesting. and it's not like
0: they're paddling out into perfect surf. They're paddling out into sloppy beach break.
1: Look, that market is perhaps the most important market in the world to the WSL and to the future of pro surfing. The South American market.
0: It it, it potentially
1: is, and it isn't. I think right it now. already is. I think that you think I think so? well. I think I think. Um, Fostering that market and nurturing yes, that market is. But it
0: currently isn't. But it, it I don't fostering know. it is
1: for I, sure. I'm not sure if it isn't. I don't know what the numbers are, but um it's I guess the point is, whether it is or it isn't, we all agree that it's something that they want to nurture and make larger and, and tap into and capitalize on. And so they're willing to throw patchwork on it to keep it in this um, you know, the Manhattan of of Brazil that's yeah. really that's the New York City of Brazil right. right there and so and I bring this up because I would just if it was up to me and I was I always err on the side of the surfers and the fans move that thing to that on the other side of that, that island that island what is it
0: Fernando de Nahorno or
1: something? Naranja. Um, yeah, yeah something, or whatever. I just Naranja. <laughs> I just said orange. <laughs> <laughs> Muchas fresas. Narona Nor- or something? I Manzanitas, <laughs> naranjas y fresas. The Fernan- Muchas frutas, por favor.
0: The Fernando de Island.
1: Yeah. Let's, where they have that QS. Yeah. That's where they need to have this event. Now, they're going to lose all of that whole New York vibe. and But I think they, with the proper broadcast, You could still have that like Manhattan Times Square big screen experience for the fans in Rio, and you could probably build something around that, like a surfboard expo, for instance. Thank you. Go ahead, call (laughs) me. I'll do my surfboard expo there. We'll call it the WSL Surf Expo, and you can watch live the event on on seventeen multi large screens. With you know, we could do something really cool there. And engage the audience there while having the event somewhere worthy. Totally. I agree. That'd God, be a, I'm full of good a, ideas. That would be the
0: solution. We need to have our listeners sign a non disclosure so that they don't rip all our ideas.
1: They're going to rip them all and, you know, whatever. That's what, what are you going to do? Call us. Well, someone. oh, by I, the way, so they sent out a, a news about the QS in Cabo. Okay. The WSL is doing a QS in Cabo, just real quick. And they're like, Chris Coquet is going to be commentating, blah, blah, blah. And I sent the guy immediately, I sent the guy an email. I forget his name right now, but he's a cool guy. It wasn't Dave Proden, but I'm like, hey, I want to join Chris in the commentary booth. I'm ready to do this. Yeah. Because I'm thinking to myself, cool, I'll go down there, I'll get my feet wet with some QSs, and maybe I'll grow into being one of the commentators. Sure. And the guy got right back to me. He's like, hey, great idea. Wow. But but that's where it's ended. Oh, okay. But uh He's like, hey, Chris isn't even doing it this year for whatever. you know. Chris has scheduling conflicts. But there's this other guy down in Kaaba who's running the thing. You need to reach out to him. And um, at that point, that's where it kind of ended.
0: Yeah, funny, but...
1: Um, anyway, well, I'm throwing my hat in the ring as a commentator. Let it be known because I give those guys so much grief that yeah. uh, they would love to put me in there and grill me. Man, I can't. By wait. the way, Scott Bannister is really anti-Martin Potter. He's just I know, I over saw Martin too. Potter. Well, a lot of people. He are. wants us to comment. We've
0: been pretty kind to Potter, but to be honest, I kind of feel similarly to Scott. I, the thing Scott, is, Bannister, to Scott Bannister, not Scott because I. The thing is, I'm not. I got to give. Potter respect. Dude, I know, the I guy's a world champion. I know. Like, am not the way I really going to call him out. And I
1: don't think he's that bad relative to other people. I think there's there's other issues there that need to be resolved before we would resolve that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, and okay. I don't think he's that bad. I just think you know what, eight to ten hours. If somebody bothers you for whatever reason, you know the the phonetics or the semantics or the syntax or the delivery of the broadcast or whatever it is, you're bothered. If you listen to that for eight hours, yeah, it's going to wear on you. Totally. you know so the
0: WQS or uh, WSL also held a QS 1000 event at
1: Lance's right. And not the syntax. You, you don't yeah, comment yeah. on syntax. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Full of
0: QS 1000 at Lance's right in flawless head high surf. Did you see yes, this event? I did see that. I mean, I watched this. Have you surfed Lance's right? A bunch of
1: times. How good is it? Super good. So, Super easy.
0: So flawless. So Probably that was the easiest that was wave. My thought: I watched that and I'm like, okay, these QSers are surfing flawless head high barreling rights, while the tiers are going to Rio next week. And then I th- thought about it again, and I go, you know what? I don't even want to see the tiers out at Lance's, right because it's too freaking perfect and it's too easy. They're going to get so shacked, come out and do a cutback and kick out. And how many of that? How many of those do you need to see? I'm watching these QSers do it, and I'm already kind of bored. Well, there's a, a good air section video. there, well, no, too. Which is where Jeremy, I think, smashed his face into the reef and went unconscious. Oh, Jeremy Flores? Yeah, like a year or two ago. On the Surgeon's Table. There's this thing called the Surgeon's Table there. He tried to do an air reverse and landed face first on Dry Reef. Rat. Got halivaced. Anyway. I didn't know that. So anyway... My point is when I when I saw that, I thought about it and I go, you know what? What I do enjoy is seeing our C tiers and challenging surf. Sometimes it's Bell's Beach, challenging, but not really that exciting. But sometimes it's Chopu, where it's like super exciting and definitely challenging. Um, Rio is challenging, but because it's crappy, you know, and so yeah. it's like Lance's right is too perfect and I don't really want to see that. Rio, too imperfect, don't want to see that but the, com- the what we want isn't perfect surf for our our competitors we want challenging surf that's really the ultimate criteria pipeline is freaking challenging
1: challenging that's 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 what we that's want. what crystallized in you after thinking after about after watching that lance is huh. right thing you know it's a, and that's a wave too that if it's not perfect you don't even surf it like right. as soon as it goes on shore it's just it's over yeah it's got to be offshore yeah well, too perfect of a wave. That leads us to this. Did you get your text from Kelly inviting you to the I'll, wave pool?
0: Yep, I'll be there, dude. I'm gonna I got my,
1: I got my invite um, myself and a bunch of other A-listers. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to ride
0: my wave storm there.
1: Dave and I didn't. We weren't invited. We haven't received our invite from Kelly, but that's waiting, the news, honey, right? Kelly. Kelly Slater has invited a bunch of people to surf his wave pool, the Harris Ranch Rights, as I like to call it.
0: Does he know that that's what it's called?
1: He does now. Okay. Harris Ranch. Oh, because Ranch he writes. listens to this. That's right. Harris Ranch <laughs> Rights. It's a great name for it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Kelly's organized three different pool days. Um, looks like it's going to be him and John John and some of the CTer guys. Then there's a day, I think, with Carissa and Steph and some girls. And then I think well, there's-
0: specifically him and John John on one day. Oh, the just ne- those two? That's what I read. Oh. And then the next day, or the second meeting, will be him, Carissa, and Stephanie. Right. And the third will
1: be... The Momentum Era of bros. Yeah, that's bro- what I want now. to be there for. Jason Weatherly. Uh, all those guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you named the no, least, I was, no, the I least was thinking, known out of all of them. I was them. thinking
1: Kalani Robb. Yeah. Rob Machado. Name them all, dude. Oh, God. Uh, Pat O'Connell? See one I, of them? I would think so. Um, probably Chris Malloy and Keith Malloy. Definitely. Maybe not Dan Malloy. I don't know if he was in that Momentum Era. Um, Ross Williams. Yep. Uh, Shane, Todd, Rip, rest in peace. Todd Chesser might have been. He was the Godfather. Shane Dorian. Shane will be there. Ben Weatherly. Benji, Jason, um, Greg Browning. Definitely. Oh, was he? A, was he one? All right. Totally. Well. Anyway, those that crew of guys yeah. are going to be Justin Poston. Oh, there's a name. San Diego name. That's cool. Well, those guys are stoked, right? We're yeah, sure. bummed that we didn't get invited, but I understand. I'm yeah. a D lister at best. Well, they talk about,
0: um, so Kelly wants the email that, or the email, the text message that he sent apparently said, quote, would you like to join me in Fresno to surf and test my new wave pool, end quote, or unquote. And um, so I think that's interesting. He wants to get feedback, obviously, from some of the better surfers in the world. Uh, There's rumors that there will be an event there in August of this year, and then potentially uh, like... What does that
1: mean that Stab reported that there was going to be an event in August? Does that mean a QS event? No.
0: They didn't say. What does that
1: mean, an event?
0: It just said a low profile event. So it doesn't even mean that it's a contest. It just means something, you know?
1: Well, I know what that event is. What? I have um, been talking with Kelly a little bit on the side. I've come up with perhaps the greatest marketing maneuver. In the history of marketing maneuvers. Can't wait for this okay? dad
0: joke coming down the pipeline.
1: This is what's going to happen. Okay. From now until the end of July, when you buy a Firewire surfboard, there's going to be a golden ticket attached to it. This is going to be called Kelly Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Wow. Much like Willy Wonka. Because the color, Everybody of, because w- the
0: color of the water. Exactly, chocolate factory.
1: Kelly Slater in the chocolate factory. It's a take on Willy Wonka.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that part.
1: Willy, <laughs> thanks for Golden- explaining that. So, if you buy a Firewire surfboard, yeah, you scratch off the little scratchy off dealio. Yep. And if it's the golden ticket, you're the one invited. And it's you and Kelly Slater. You, you, you <laughs> Kelly's going to meet you at the gates of Harris Ranch rights. He's going to have a top hat on, right? And, um, and a prince outfit. And a, yeah, no, he'll be in tails, coat, a top hat, and a prince outfit. And he'll meet you there and you, he'll put a blindfold on you and you'll be taken into a room where you'll be told the rules, no cameras. If you screw up, you're going to be, you know, ejected out of this situation. You're going to sit there and watch small green men rip the shred shit out of this wave. There'll be like a, a Glenn Hall, a Tom Carroll, a Pat O'Connell, they all, can't, they
0: all in can't green over five foot five.
1: No, they got to be, yeah. Five okay. foot four and under Oompa Loompa style shredding going on. You're going to be like watching it. this. This whole thing is, it's going to be incredible. It's Kelly, Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. You'll be able to shred the chocolate pool with Kelly. And uh, what a great... The golden ticket. I mean, this is the thing that every surfer in the world, they want to be invited to this thing. It's what the a great ticket. opportunity for Firewire to move tons of product. I think this is the hottest ticket. <clears throat> I just made all the... It's ours, Charlie. I've got a golden sun up
0: in the sky. Slippers, Scott. The golden, I've ticket. golden <laughs> ticket. I've got a golden
1: ticket. I've got a golden ticket. I never thought that I would be slapping the lap of luxury, cause I'd have said... It couldn't be, oh. done. But
0: it could be done. Wow! I want it. Where can I buy the nearest Firewire surfboard?
1: They're right? available everywhere, and um, the
0: Slater design, Slater Designs model specifically. Yes. Or, or, among those three
1: models, Kelly Slater, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory. Harris Rance writes. Go. I like it. I just made all that up, by the way, in case Mark Price and Chewy Rainer are listening. Just my idea. I seriously think it's a good idea, though. I don't know if it's you buy a firewire, but if if there's, it'd be better if it was a lower end product, like yeah. Creatures of Leisure. Isn't he involved? With, no, he's in. Whatever his now community, community pro, so buy a community project leash or yeah. something like that where it's like a twenty dollar item everyone would go and buy a leash oh yeah they would kill the leash market with that yeah, Or maybe it's fins through
0: basically you're buying a twenty dollar raffle ticket
1: you are you're buying a twenty dollar raffle ticket yeah. the golden ticket could be yours and wouldn't that be cool to see Kelly in a top hat and tails greeting you there and a bunch it's of fantastic. green oompa loompa style you know Tom Carroll and Paddle Cone who else is small. Louis Samuels. We could get named, a bunch of you people. You to- them all.
0: Um, I, I mean, I think arguably one of the best ideas you've ever had, actually. It's a your pretty Honor. good one. I
1: mean, it's not really mine. I sort of stole it from oh, okay. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But it's a right. good one. Yeah, like, it's a great They idea. should do it. They should do it. They should, do, should it. do this.
0: By the way, have you seen anybody writing Kelly Slater designs at your local beaches?
1: No, but I was down at Bird's Surf Shop, and he says he's selling a lot of them okay yeah the I, stewie kennedy model one the sci-fi yeah the sci-fi apparently is doing really well
0: I, I saw a guy paddling out on one the other day in huntington how did it go well i didn't actually see him catch any waves um i didn't have high hopes for him based on just
1: looking my, at my him. assessment <laughs> of the
0: situation <laughs> but I, I i should have just asked him how he likes it i want to
1: ride one i've been waiting i think chewy's got a um a demo oh, okay. you know what you'll be able to demo these yeah. at the boardroom show yeah. the sunday morning of the boardroom show at 15th street in del mar firewire i'll have all the boards down there for a demo morning starts at 7 a.m so you're going to want to get down there yeah sunday may 15th 15th street in del mar for the boardroom demo surfboard demo well and firewire will be there
0: um we gotta vacate the room in about 10 minutes oh. so do you have do you want to prioritize your last 10 minutes of the show
1: yeah, well, I want to tell everyone also about Sunday at the boardroom show. Go for it. The vintage surfboard swap happens only on Sunday. I want to make sure that's clear because I know there will be people that will show up Saturday. But the vintage surf swap is only on Sunday of the two-day event at the boardroom show. And you you can bring two boards. It's a vintage swap, so bring pre-1995, pre-2000 surfboards. And um, bring a towel or a mat, something to lay your boards down on. You can only bring two in and um be a part of the swap. There's no cash change. Oh, uh, you got to you've got to buy a ticket to get into the show. Sure, but yeah, you can't you, just go buy a board, you got to swap. No, you can do work? whatever you want. You can oh, okay. swap, you can you can just look, you can so buy. People who are bringing their boards, they can buy or sell and or And come swap. up with a price for what they want for theirs rather yeah. than okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Um <clears throat> Let's I've, I've quick, got a musty moment.
0: Well, real quickly. Do you want uh, to talk about the, the boardroom show? The, the Big Wave Awards did take oh, place since our last show, and you basically called I know, every single all one. of them. I know Shane Thank won you. overall performance and ride of the year. Aaron Gold won paddle of the year. Yuri Soledad won biggest wave. Keala Kenley won the barrel of the year. Niccolo Porcello won the wipeout of the year.
1: That guy went on and on. I watched some of it. It was unwatchable, as all of these award shows are. It's yeah. not the WSL's fault. It's just the nature of award shows. Nobody wants to hear these people drone on and on. But you have to do them. You yep. have to sit there and listen. And But Nick, that guy went on and on and on. Yeah, I guess Greg Knoll was the highlight, right? Well, well, Or the low light, depending on how you look at it.
0: And we discussed female big wave surfers in our previous show, and we're at a loss to name some of them. Um, Andrea Moeller was a name that we didn't come up with, but she actually won the performance of the year for the women. So I thought um, we should give a shout out to her as well. So what do you got for the uh, must-see moment then?
1: My must-see moment is real life. Red Bull's been putting out these, or I don't know if they've been putting out a bunch, but I saw one and I posted it on my website. Ben Wheeland did this um, really neat um, three-minute clip on basically surfing up in Alaska. Oh. And I know we 've seen these before, but I mean these guy this guy there's a handful of really good cinematographers I mean that 's kind of what they are I know yeah. they 're working in video and not film, but some of them are probably working in film, but anyway, Ben Whelan's real life and it 's pretty fascinating look at surfing um sort of you know the exact opposite of a wave pool, just way out in the in the uh, nether region of the world you know where it 's just cold and Beautiful and scenic, and um, is there any good surfing in it? Yeah, there's really good surfing, and there's some really good waves, and it makes you go, "Holy crap!" Hmm. You know, if there's waves like that, now these guys are head to toe full suited up. But as uh, a
0: hardcore surfer, if you had to relocate there for some reason, would you continue surfing?
1: I, I I'm not sure because as I get older, it's harder for me to surf in cold situations. When I was 20, yeah, I, yeah, I could do that. Um, I question it among of myself as well. I would need to see what it's like to surf in that much wetsuit. Yeah. You know, with gloves, all of that stuff has to be just right. And really the key to surfing in cold situations is you have to enter the the cold situation really, really warm and you have to leave the cold situation and get warm really quick. So if I go into the situation sweating, I'm good you know, and then I'll be warm and I'll be hot for the session. And then when I get out, I need to get into a hot tub. So a lot of it's about the pre and post, um, getting ready for this surf. You are a delicate little flower. I am. I am. I am. <laughs> uh, yes, constant
0: I am. coddling. I, yes, I do. Easier, I softer way. Need me to way. stroke your
1: ego all the time? Tell I, you that a, you're doing a good a job fra- at life. It's a fragile deal. It's the whole sad. thing. It's it, kind of sad, actually. It, it's uh, yeah.
0: So my musty moment is. Um, The time-lapse footage that Surfline posted of the whale washing ashore at lower trestles.
1: Yes. Holy
0: cow. Um, This was covered in tons of media outlets outside of surfing. But basically, 40-foot whale, 60,000-pound carcass washed ashore at lowers. And not down the beach from lowers, not 50 yards. Like, it's at lowers.
1: You couldn't couldn't have put it in a better place or, or worse place. Worst place. So this, By the way, Lowers is pumping today, and it's packed. The whale is gone, and nobody gives a crap about yeah. any of the sharks or anything. Well, the, I think there will be some potential shark situation. I saw somebody posted an
0: Instagram
1: of a sea lion or a seal washed up on the beach. With a big chunk. Shredded. But yeah. that was, I heard from that 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 was not... At lowers, and somebody was trying to Uh, continue the fear. To keep people out of the water so
0: they could shred.
1: Um, Well, at
0: any rate, the professionals, marine biologists and stuff, said, you can surf out there as soon as the whale's gone, basically. Just exercise caution. There will be more shark activity, but exercise caution. Those guys are setting Um, themselves up to be sued. Specifically, he said, it was Justin um, Weisbick or Weisbick said, once the whale is off the beach, I would feel very comfortable about going back out there. Just keep an eye on the conditions. Every time you go to the beach, you evaluate what's going on. If you drive to your spot and there's a dead whale washed on shore, I would definitely think twice, but once it's off the beach, you're all good. There is a bit of whale oil in the lineup still. There's a funky smell. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to
1: create some sharks.
0: But basically, um, they, the appropriate, I don't know who the appropriate bodies are that come and um, get rid of the whale, but they came in one day dismantled the whale, basically cut it into pieces, hauled it off to a landfill, landfill in San Diego, Scott's hometown.
1: Do you, um, You're surfing lowers. Do you feel safer in the middle of the pack or on the fringes of the pack? Safer from a great white attack or Ooh. a shark attack?
0: I would think the middle of the pack would be safer.
1: Wrong. I know. You do know that? No, well, sharks, I had assumed that if sharks you ask the attack question, the middle of a pack in case they miss their first, they can turn and get one of the others. They will rarely get a straggler on the outer ends. They always go into the middle of the fish um, ball uh, okay. boil because, like I said, well, there's, there's more chances to get prey if you attack the middle.
0: I also of the remember pack. hearing that they usually attack closer to shore.
1: Oh, that's so, interesting.
0: Yeah, people think like the farther out, the more at risk you are. It's the opposite.
1: I wonder why that is.
0: I think it has to do with like, is that statistic based? Yeah, but I think it had to do with the animal being wounded. Like they think that you know, um,
1: when you're at shore, you're you're yeah, wounded. Like the the whale is going to
0: beach itself, so it's headed towards the shore, or the seal is or oh, whatever. Right, and that right. they're just going to go. Oh, that's s- go grab that one because it's easy bait.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So that's my must-see moment. The time-lapse... Surfline, basically, when this happened, then went back and pulled the cam footage and made a time-lapse out of it, and you watch this whale just rolling in over the course of a day. Do you have
1: a conspiracy theory about why the Surfline lowers cam went down during, during the whale carcass situation? No, I didn't know that it did. Yeah, I noticed that it was down for a while. Well,
0: people, families, went down to the beach to watch it be removed, and the people said, like, hey, be aware... There's no good way to do this. We just cut this thing into pieces and throw it into a dump truck, basically. <laughs> um, but kids are interested in that stuff, and they want to see the sheer size of the thing. You know,
1: a guy, a friend of mine—well, uh, not a friend, but an, a listener—came up to me the other day, heard me, heard my voice. This is different than the, oh, okay. the last time we met. Um, Marcus, his name was Marcus. He said, "Hey, I heard you talking to this guy over here. I overheard you. I just—you're I, you, the guy." That, that does the podcast enjoy the podcast thanks so much been listening to it for years nice yeah awesome do you have a duke and a coop that guy marcus is my duke konamoku okay
0: well i hate to rush through these but we do have to to vacate the room Um, my duke is dave barney miller who has a new film coming out called you and me which charts his life as an aspiring pro surfer in australia before a near fatal car accident that left him quadriplegic the recovery and the love story that transpires in the midst of it all, um, is really interesting and profound, but it's not all roses. He's had a really rough path and dealt with, um, substance abuse, alcoholism. And then through that met this girl who's really stood by his side as a quad quadriplegic. Like they met after he had the accident and, um, Anyways, cool. this guy, Mick Fanning, has been really involved in this guy's life because Mick Fanning lost a brother to a car accident in a very similar situation. His brother, Sean, was an aspiring pro surfer when it happened. So this documentary takes place over the course of four and a half years. They're premiering it in, through a tour in Australia right now, and uh, it looks amazing. I haven't seen it. I just watched the trailer, and it looks great, but um, the story is heartwarming. So that's my Duke. Barney Miller, whose goal it is to walk again. Cool. Good for Barney. My kook was submitted by a listener, Russell Thorne. Uh, Magic Seaweed did an article. Donald Trump wants to build a 200-ton rock wall in Ireland that would destroy a picturesque beach and surf spot to save his multi-million pound golf resort. Basically – He's worried about coastal erosion. There's a surf spot there. His golf course is right on the coast. And so what he wants to do is build this $10 million, uh, 200,000 ton rock wall to prevent the coastal erosion. Everybody else, of course, is
1: saying... Uh, it's an erosional coastline. And How about this retreat? Is a, this is an important
0: of- picturesque surf line, and yeah, retreat because he actually owns enough land to move the golf course. Yeah, that's what he needs. To inland do. more.
1: That's what he needs. So
0: um that's what's going on. I, I hate to rush through these, but again, we have to. But I'll post links to this article on surfsplendorpodcast.com dot com, and thank you, Russell thorne for submitting that.
1: Couple of things. um NHL playoffs are happening. I love watching the NHL playoffs, man. So. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals are in a heated, uh, round two series right now. The boardroom show is happening in less than two weeks, May 14th and 15th at the Delmar Fairgrounds. The Icons of Foam tribute to the Master Shape Off honoring Jerry Lopez is featuring Pat Rawson, Ryan Lovelace, Ryan Birch. Roger Hines, Ron House, and Ward coffee They're going to compete, try to replicate a classic Lopez surfboard. We've also got another shaping bay with young guns of shaping. 15-year-old Zach Flores is featured there. That kid's amazing. You can learn how to shape at this show. There's DIY classes, how-to classes. There's insightful seminars. Surfer Magazine is producing a thing called the Surfer Talks, presented by Millennium Foam. There's a whole seminar uh, discussion on Kelly Slater's wave pool. There's one on the WSL and the future of pro surfing. There's one on El Nino, its effects, what it means to big wave surfing. And there's one on well, there's a conversation with Jerry Lopez, a yep. Q and A with Jerry himself. And, and
0: dozens and dozens and dozens of exhibitors. Well, yeah, hundreds, yeah, all
1: hundreds of surfboards, state of the art surfboards, all the name
0: brand, everything that everybody knows. Yeah, like the top manufacturers. By all
1: this, Uh, Best in Show by Bubblegum Surf Wax. so big wave guns are going to be represented. Rev Chem is doing a bunch of really great laminating demonstrations. There's guitars, ukuleles, food, beer. Um, I'm sure I've missed something. The Grass is Always Greeno, another seminar about George Greeno. A lot going on, boardroomshow.com for tickets and information, or to listen to the show, you can simply go there. And Scott and I will be there. That's
0: right. Come up and say hi. That's right. Come say hi. Yeah. And shout out to the Serving Heritage and
1: Culture Center for letting us use this space. Absolutely. Servingheritage.org. Until next time. Adios and aloha. Something happened on the day he died. Spirit rose and meter and stepped aside. Somebody else took his place and bravely cried. i a black star. i a black star. How many times?
0: Yeah, so hopefully you'll make it to the boardroom show. I know we have um listeners that are actually flying in to the event really really a cool thing Um, it's unfortunate that the boardroom show doesn't exist all around the world at different locations because it is a really cool event and we're grateful to have it here in Southern California and of course it is Scott Bass's event that he owns and hosts and all that sort of thing and runs so he and I will be there with name tags on if you see somebody with our names in a lanyard around their neck uh, introduce yourself say hi it's always a really rad thing to chat with people who um you know listen to the show and that it's kind of funny i've had this conversation with people um who introduce themselves and they're like oh it's weird i feel like uh i already know you but you know obviously i'm just listening to you you don't know anything about me but we hit the ground running because we have so much common interest you know and we can talk about the things that i like to talk about and that apparently they like to talk about too so even though i haven't met people prior we dive straight into uh friendship or just engagement that feels very comfortable like with somebody who you would have known for a long period of time so i think it's a really cool dynamic and anyway it'll be great to meet you if you're there if you're not boardroomshow.com has some of the information and he'll document it you'll see videos and photos on surfline everybody covers it so all right that's coming up may 14th and may 15th enough about the boardroom show Rate and review Surf Splendor in iTunes or wherever, whatever podcasting app you listen in. If you rate and review the show, it helps uh, other people to find the show. It helps with our ranking, basically, and searchability. So you guys have done a great job with that. I think we have like 80-something ratings and, I don't know, 50 or 60 reviews. And for the vast majority, I mean, there's only one or two that aren't five stars, so the vast majority are positive. Grateful for that. And um, just share the show with friends. We always ask that you help the show grow in that respect. All right? You've heard enough of me for today, so I will give you a break and let you know that we'll be back in two weeks. But until then, I encourage you, get out in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and shred on.